Well, hello, everybody. This is Pastor Iris, and guess where I am today? Absolutely right. It's Tuesday, and we are in the USA with Dr. Shiva. Hi, John. Good morning, Iris. How are you? I think we're okay. Good, okay. good, <laughs> good. I, I'm, I'm praying that springtime and summertime will come to the UK very, very soon. So. Well, like I told you, it did on Sunday, and I got a nice sun, bit of sunburn on my face, and then the next morning it was snowing. <laughs> I can't believe that. That's, that's awful. That's terrible. Well, we're, we're here in sunny Florida with the palm trees waving in the backyard, so... Is it nice so, and warm, John? Oh, it is. You're it's not allowed warm. to talk about it then. <laughs> Blue skies, sunshine, palm trees, birds, sailing oh, on the water, people crowding the beaches. So oh. we're, we're, we're good. We're good. There you go. Well, what have you got for us today? Well, it's wonderful to be back with you again. We're so honored to be a be invited to be part of your ministry that God is using all over the world. So thank you for allowing us to, our ministry, to partner with your ministry, to minister to your audience on a, on a regular basis. So thank you. We honor and bless you today. We're going to continue on with our study of the last days preceding the coming of Jesus. We've been doing this for several, several sessions because I really believe, and I've never, I've never felt what I feel in my heart in these days. I've known these truths from, the God, from God's word since I was a teenager about the coming of the Lord. But in these days, I have a sense in my spirit that we are much, much, much closer to the coming of Jesus than we have ever been before. And I would be not at all surprised if his coming was close enough that I would be here and you would be here and and all of your audience listening today would still be here in the earth when Jesus comes for the church. I think it could be just that near. And the reason I believe that, now let me put a qualifier on that and say again that we never put dates on anything. Jesus may not come back for another 50 years. It may be 25 years, it may be 10 years, five years, one year. We do not know, it could be today. But the reason that I believe as I believe about the imminent coming of Jesus is there's now nothing left that the Bible foretells that has to, has to happen for Jesus to return in the great pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Iris, several years ago, Yvette and I were in Rome, Italy. We've been there several times. And everyone talks about St. Peter's Basilica, which is world famous. But there is another basilica in Rome called St. Paul's Basilica. It is much, much smaller 
than the large St. Peter's Basilica. It is, it is like a church several miles away. And so we visited there and we took the tour of St. Paul's Basilica. And one of the most startling things about it is around the inside walls of this Catholic church, there was a special, some of them were like a little small closet. Some were like the bookcase behind you right now, but each one was devoted to one of the popes of the Catholic church. And this basilica was built hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And so it started with, with, with the apostle Peter and then Peter's successor, and then the successor's successor, and all the way around the inside of the basilica, there was a space dedicated to a particular pope going all the way back to the apostle Peter. But the tour guide that was giving us the information on all of this, when we got to the end, she said, many of us are very concerned because, because it was always believed by the Catholic Church hundreds of years ago, going all the way back to when the building was first built, that when we got to the last space for a pope, that that pope would be the last pope before the end of the world. Now, I will give you three guesses to guess how many spaces are left in St. Paul's Basilica. None. Yeah, I was going to say none. They shouldn't be, should they? None. And they were saying that it's been believed for hundreds of years, that when the last Pope's place is, is here, that the end of the world, she called it the end of the world, I call it the coming of Jesus, the seven-year tribulation, and then the earthly return of Jesus to set up his kingdom forever and ever and ever. But, Iris, there are no places left. Well, what do we make of that? Well, is there significance there? I don't know, but it is interesting to note that. And so there we are, and we'll just leave that with that. But today, I want us to move beyond the pre-tribulation rapture, and today we are going to look in one session together at an, a very quick, a very abbreviated overview of the entire seven-year tribulation period. Now, some people might say, but John, why aren't we going to dig into the tribulation period and understand and study over several hours of, well, I'm not going to do that because if I do my job in getting you ready for the pre-tribulation rapture, you're not going to be here for the tribulation. The church is not going to be here. You see, we, we, we find that from, from Revelation chapter 3 until Revelation chapter 16, excuse me, chapter 19, 
from Revelation 3 to Revelation 19, there's not one mention of the church. Where is the church in all of this teaching about the tribulation? We are not here. We are in heaven with Jesus. Well, we've talked about all of that already. Luke 21, verse 36. Let me, let me read that for you, and then we're going to get into this. Every time Jesus talked about his coming, every time he talked about that, it was always to be ready. In verse 31, let's begin there, Luke 21, 31. Jesus said, so you also, when you see all these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but, but my words will by no means pass away. So what do you think? Is when all of these things have appeared in the earth, the generation that sees it will not pass away like 20 centuries of other generations have passed away. Yeah. But he said, when all these things happen, the generation that sees all the things happen, that generation will not pass away until all this happens. So Iris, today, we are seeing all these things happening. There's nothing left prophetically that has to take place before the coming of Jesus. And that's the reason I believe it could happen in our generation because of what Jesus said. He said in verse 34, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the cares of this life, that that day his coming come unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, he said in verse 36. Now, this is so important, Luke 21, 36. To your audience today, go read what Jesus said. He said, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. What things? All the things that are going to come in the tribulation. He said, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus, when he catches us all up together in the twinkling of an eye in the clouds to meet him there to forever be with the Lord. Glory to God. That is so exciting to me. So what what are we going to do now? We're going we're gonna to move beyond that rapture that, that Paul talked about, that, that moment of, of the great catching away. And we're going to go to verse chapter 6 of Revelation. Now, I'm going to move very, very quickly as an overview, but I want to encourage your audience to go online and Google Dr. Greg, G-R-E-G, Hennant, H-I-N-N-A-N-T, and his book, The Tribulation Story, 
oh, that's the tribulation so story yeah. by Dr. Greg Hennett. And Google will direct you to his website. And I would encourage you to order that book because this is going to give you a lot of information that I'm not going to give you. I'm going to give you the overview. If you're really interested in the tribulation, you want many, many scriptures from the Old Testament, the Gospels, and the New Testament. Greg has done an astounding job. But today I'm going to give you the overview. If you need, if you're interested in the details, order Greg's book today. Doctor Greg Hennant, H-I-N-N-A-N-T. Okay, Revelation chapter six. We find the record of Jesus opening the first seal. A seal was like a, a, a band, a lock, a strap that that would be would be bound up holding in a parchment that contained information. And so recognize that Jesus is the one in Revelation chapter six that opens the first seal. Now, that's so important to understand, because even in all the indescribable chaos of the book of tribulation, God is still always in control. Everything, everything. He is always in control of everything that has ever gone on and everything that will go on. It is the Father that will decide the, the day and the time, the hour of the actual rapture. Jesus doesn't know it. The angels don't know it. The Father reserves that. I believe the reason that the Father reserves that unto himself is he is not going to allow any of this, any of this to begin to unfold until the last heart that is in the is in a position to turn to him turns to him he knows where everyone is spiritually and he is going to warn and warn and stir and strive by his spirit as many people globally I believe in a great last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh to bring in the greatest harvest the world has ever seen in order that as many people as possibly can not go through the tribulation. And so that actual moment of the rapture of the church, I believe that the Father is holding that moment today still working in hearts. All of So keep praying for your family, your relatives, your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, your friends, brothers and sisters and parents, because I don't believe that God is going to allow the rapture until the last one that will come in comes in. And then in that moment of time. And so 
In Revelation 6, the Bible says that Jesus releases or opens the first seal. Now, when he does that, there is a story there about one on a white horse that is coming. And many people read that and they think that's Jesus. No, it's not Jesus. It is the Antichrist. And if we study this out, which we're not going to do today, you will understand that he is an imposter. He's made to look like the Messiah. And that is the key to understanding at least the first three year, three and a half years of the tribulation. It's what happens. The rapture takes place. Multitudes of people are suddenly are suddenly taken out of the earth. Overnight, global chaos comes takes place. Global chaos. I mean, we're living in chaos now because of COVID for the last year. But that chaos is a grain of sand yeah. on the beach compared to the chaos that will ensue at the time of the rapture. Why? Because Paul told, and we've studied this already, that the Holy Spirit is in the earth today. And the Antichrist cannot come. The spirit of lawlessness, the spirit of Antichrist is in the earth today and is operational in the earth today. But Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 4. He said that until he who restrains is taken out of the way, the Antichrist can't come. But when the Holy Spirit is removed with the church, at the moment of the rapture, the dam will break that holds the Antichrist and his system back. And suddenly, lawlessness like the world has never seen will come. It will come because there is nothing now. The Holy Spirit is gone. There is nothing now to restrain the lawlessness. First John 5.19. First John 5.19. Go research that scripture. First John 5.19 says that the whole world lives under the sway of the wicked one. Now that's now. The multitude, the world system still operates according to the influence of the kingdom of darkness. That's what 1 John 5, 19, the whole world operates under the sway of the wicked one. But there is a leash on the wicked one, Satan, as long as the Holy Spirit is here. But suddenly in a moment at the rapture of the church, he has now been removed. And so now the whole world is is his to do with as he likes. And so when Jesus releases that first seal in Revelation chapter six, there's nothing now holding the kingdom of darkness and Satan back. 
They can do whatever they want to do. Now, there is going to be total, complete breakdown of law and order. There's going to be great fear. There are going to be multitudes of backslidden church people that are suddenly going to know what happened when millions, hundreds of millions or more of godly people that love Jesus instantly are gone in the twinkling of an eye. They are going to know that, that Jesus has come for the church. And there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth in the hearts of many backslidden believers. Now, are they lost? No, they're not going to be lost. We'll get to that in a few minutes. They can still be saved and go to live in heaven. But they are going to have to live through a portion of the tribulation before they go there. We'll talk about that. But there are going to be backsliders like the five virgins that we've looked at before that did not have oil in their lamps. Therefore, they were not ready in Matthew 25 for the coming of the bridegroom. There were 10 waiting. Five had oil. They were ready to go when he came at midnight. Five did not have oil, and they they missed it. So we'll, we'll talk about that, but they're going to be lukewarm, backslidden Christians that will miss the rapture, the pre-tribulation of the rapture, but they can still be saved, as we'll see in a few minutes. They are going to be horrified. There will be multitudes of people around the world when, all, when Satan's power of darkness is no longer restrained by the Holy Spirit that just left. Chaos, crime, robbery, murder, rape, the occult, it will be the release of a great flood. Now, Iris, what is the purpose of the tribulation? People think that it's just because God is mad and it's payback time and God's going to settle all of his scores and destroy everything. No, no. That's not what the purpose of the tribulation is. Yes, it is the first half of the tribulation is referred to as the wrath of the Lamb. And the second half is referred to the wrath of God. It is anger of God. It is the anger of Jesus. Some people have got this idea that Jesus is this sweet, sweet little man, always happy, Smile, 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 happy, 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 just loving everybody and everything is just happy, 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 happy. Well, he wasn't very happy when he walked into the temple of Jerusalem and saw the money changers and all the abuse, made a whip of cords, began turning over tables, throwing furniture, slinging their money and, and wielding a whip, driving them out of the temple. Jesus was not happy, happy, happy. And so there is a component, yes, of righteous indignation that Jesus is, is capable of expressing. Well, what is this? It is righteous judgment, righteous indignation 
toward the hardness of hearts, lawlessness, rebellion against God after God's immeasurable love, immeasurable goodness, kindness, loving kindness, and grace, not willing that any be saved. He's called and called and invited and brought people together, doing everything he can to get people saved. It is one of the most sobering thoughts that I've ever had to realize today that there were scribes, Pharisees, witnesses, and couldn't sees that sat in Jesus's very meetings 2,000 years ago and opposed him, watching him open blind eyes, unstop deaf ears, grow out limbs, all the miracles that he did. The religious leaders of that day came to the meetings of Jesus to mock and to scoff and to criticize and oppose and to plot his death, and that men that were in Jesus's meetings are in hell today. In hell today. In hell, burning in a devil's hell that were in Jesus's meetings because they did not receive. Well, what is the purpose of the tribulation? It is judgment on lawlessness and rebellion against those that have shunned and rejected all the goodness and mercy that God has extended to them. It is judgment on them in order that by the harshness of God, if not by the goodness of God, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. But if the goodness of God was not sufficient to lead people to repentance, God will release seven years of horrific judgment to bring people to repentance. First of all, it is to give Jews a last chance to repent. The tribulation is to give Israel and the Jewish people a last chance to recognize Jesus as their Messiah, to recognize Isaiah 53 and, and the revelation of the manifestation of, of Jesus as their Messiah, which they shut down and rejected. It is to give the Jews in a time of judgment and harshness, one last opportunity to accept the salvation through the Messiah that God has given. It's secondly, to give all the backsliders, all the lukewarm, all those who miss the rapture because of lawlessness and rebellion and laziness in their hearts, to give them an opportunity and many of them will, to be saved and not lost, even though they miss the rapture, they're in the tribulation. It is an opportunity for them to come back and repent in that time. And many, many, many will. And third, it is to give lost people the opportunity, one last chance 
to miss hell and go to heaven. That's the goodness of God. That like the thief on the cross being crucified with Jesus, two thieves were crucified with Jesus. Both had the same opportunity. One took the opportunity and was saved dying on the cross while the other blasphemed. The one that said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Dying on the cross, Jesus looked over through the blood and the suffering, the gasping and the agony, and whispered to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Mm -hmm. The thief on the other side continued to mock and curse and rebel. The one that repented was with Jesus that very day in paradise. The one who rejected on the cross went to Hades to await eternal judgment. So God will do everything right up until the last moment to bring as many in as he can. Now, immediately after the, the rapture, I've referred to it already, chaos will be released. And when Jesus releases that first seal in Revelation chapter 6, that will be the release of Satan to begin to operate through the Antichrist. Now, who is the Antichrist? I believe he is alive and well in the earth today. I believe he's already here. He doesn't have to be born, be a little boy, go through the teen years and become a young man. No, I believe he's already here. I believe he's already here. We may know who he already is. We may not. My guess is we don't. I don't believe we know, but I believe that he is here. And so in the midst of all of this chaos, he is going to begin to step forward out of obscurity and make alliances. And I believe those alliances are, are referred to in the book of Daniel as the 10 horns, which are going to be 10 nations coming out of the European Union. Now, it may be an alliance within the European Union. It may be a consolidation, reduction, and consolidation of nations in the European Union. But the European Union is definitely a, a player, according to Daniel and Revelation. It's all right there, a revival of the ancient Roman Empire which the European Union is. It's the first time since 496 when the European Union, when the Roman Empire collapsed, that the nations of Europe have come back together in, in 1900 plus years. And now the Roman Empire is, what was the Roman Empire has now become a leading global economic and political force and through globalization, they hope to en encompass the whole world. Well, he is going to be in that, with that, in league with the United Nations and other confederations. 
as all of the world is going to be striving desperately, desperately to find order again in the midst of all the chaos. And so the Antichrist is going to begin to come to the forefront of all of that is going to be very, very, very popular name to people all the way around the world. I believe that there will be sudden outbreaks of war between nations, places like North Korea that are constantly threatening, trying to intimidate their neighbors with nuclear weapons and so forth. I believe small regional wars will break out. Civil wars will break out within nations. But this Antichrist, who is a man, but he is going to be filled with satanic power and control. He will be a mortal man, but he will be totally, completely possessed, not with low-ranking demons, but he will be totally consumed, filled, and possessed with the personality and the influence of Satan himself, just as Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, was totally filled and possessed by the power of the wonderful Holy Spirit when he was in the world. This Antichrist, a man, will be equally filled and possessed with the power of Satan as Jesus had been filled and possessed with the power of the Holy Ghost 2,000 years ago when he was on the earth. Now, what's going to happen? The Antichrist is going to die. It will probably be an assassination. Someone will, will attempt, some group, terrorist, I don't know, an assassination attempt will occur, and he will receive a fatal head wound. Something will hit him in the head. I believe it'll be an assassination, and, and he will be killed, just as U.S. President John F. Kennedy was assassinated in 1963, struck by an assassin's bullet. A quarter of the back of his head was blown away. Brain material was scattered across the car in which he was riding. A, a fatal head wound will occur to this Antichrist. But what will happen next is the world will see it. The world will know he was blown away and killed. But then he will be raised from the dead and come back. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead, from the garden tomb, this Antichrist that the world saw him die by a mortal head wound, he comes back. Well, what does that mean? He is God. He is the Messiah. The Jews will see 
that is our Messiah. And he fulfilled the prophecies of dying and being raised from the dead. I would, I would imagine he will arise from the dead three days after he dies. Because it's all fake. It's an impersonation. It's a counterfeit of what Jesus did. Okay. All right. He arises. The world thinks he's supernatural, which he is, but it's not God. And so several weeks, perhaps months pass from the time that happens. And so now he's got worldwide problems prominence. Many people believe that he's the Messiah. Many people believe he's God. Everybody believes he's supernatural. Well, he's going to take his newfound power and begin to exert it into the global chaos of wars, rumors of wars. He's the beginning of the tribulation, and he starts grabbing world attention he consolidates quickly the power of Europe, and he begins to send envoys to Israel and the Middle East. Why? To bring peace. Because if he can bring peace in the Middle East, that will settle so much of this chaos down. And so he is going to sign an agreement in a great peace accord with Israel. And the way that's going to work is he is going to guarantee Israel can live in peace. No more attacks from their enemies. No more terrorism. That Israel can defend itself, but the power of the Antichrist kingdom will stand with Israel to destroy anybody that tries to harm Israel. So he guarantees to Israel that they will have peace, first of all. The second thing is he guarantees to all of Israel's enemies that they will live in peace. They no longer have to be afraid of the Jews, and he will give them their Palestinian state. He will restore to them. Israel will give away land for the Palestinians to have their state. Israel will give up certain rights to their Arab nations in guarantee of peace, and those enemies will give up certain things to Israel in order that they, Israel, might have what they want. The big giveaway that the Muslims and the Arabs will give to Israel as a guarantee of peace is they will, they will no longer have to be afraid of their enemies, but the big thing is they will give them permission to rebuild the third temple in Jerusalem. Now, there have been two temples there. The last one, the second temple was destroyed in the year 70 AD, but they will give them permission to rebuild on or near the Temple Mount their third temple. Now, Iris, it's so important that everybody understand how close they are to doing that because 
when they became a nation again in 1948, they immediately began preparing for the temple. Everything is done. Everything has already been built. It's all in storage. They could put it, I believe they could put the whole temple together, working 24 hours a day in about two days, three days. Everything they need is there. The question has always been the Dome of the Rock, which is on the Temple Mount. Now archaeologists have discovered that the, the, the Temple of Jerusalem, the Jewish Temple of Jerusalem, was probably not on the Temple Mount, but it was located a few hundred feet away, just a few hundred feet outside that, that, that Temple Mount at a place called the, the Gion Spring, just right there adjacent to it. There's, that's where the original temple. So the, it's all there. They could, they could rebuild it right there. I believe in a matter of only a few days. I've taught before about the red heifer. Yeah. That was Numbers 19.2 when God told Moses to sprinkle the ashes of a red heifer in the water of purification for the tabernacle in the wilderness. And they did that. And they did it again in Jerusalem. But since Moses, there have only been nine total red heifers born. Since Moses, until 2018. And there was a red heifer. In 2020, there were two more. And that was the only thing the Jews needed to have a red heifer that they could sacrifice, burn the ash, burn the body, have the ashes to put in the water of purification. All right, I'm going to move very, very quickly now. The second seal, third seal, fourth seal, fifth seal, and sixth seal of revelation is ever increasing war it will be it will be world war three globally it will be nuclear war outbreaks pandemics earthquakes famine global chaos and suffering. It is a time referred to in these chapter two, seals two through seal six of the wrath of the lamb. And yet here we are in the midst of the worst suffering the world has ever known. But in Revelation seven, verses one through eight, and I will let your listeners, your audience go and read that. Well, let me just read it to you. Revelation chapter 7, what God is about to do, which is going to be the beginning of the great end time revival, where Israel will be saved. Revelation chapter 7, let's begin looking there. It talks about how that 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 after these things, angels standing at the four corners of the earth and goes through here and God 
begins to seal 12,000 young men from every one of the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And he, he goes through all of this and, and that they, that, that they would be protected and that they would be preserved. 12,000 evangelists from each 12 of the 12 tribes, 144,000 evangelists that cannot be harmed, cannot be killed, cannot be affected by everything that's going on in the earth. And in verse nine, it says, and after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one can number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and then the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor, and power and might be to our God forever and ever. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white with the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sits upon the throne will dwell among them. They will hunger and, no, and thirst anymore. The sun will not strike them. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Well, who are they? Well, these were the ones that were taken out of the great tribulation. Iris, there's going to be a second catching up yeah. Yeah. of the great harvest at the midpoint, at the midpoint, three and a half years after this tribulation begins, of the Jews who have accepted Jesus the backsliders who came back to Jesus and the sinners who accepted the Messiah. You say, how can that happen? The Holy Spirit was gone. He left with the church, but the Holy Spirit was operational in the earth in the Old Testament. And so even though the Holy Spirit is taken from the earth as he has abided in our midst in the church age, which began at Pentecost and ends at the rapture, the Holy Spirit of God will anoint 144,000 Jews with supernatural ministry, just as Elijah was anointed, Elisha was anointed, the Old Testament prophets were anointed to preach, to teach, to prophesy, to be miracles, signs, and wonders like Moses did in the Old Testament and that will turn the hearts of multitudes so big you can't number them that John saw in Revelation. And he asked, who are these people? 
And he says, sir, you know, they have, these are all the ones that have come out of the great tribulation in the middle of the thing. Jews, Gentiles, all together. But at that point, Iris, that will mean the great tribulation, the what is called the last three and a half years of the tribulation. And the Antichrist, the devil, you see, Satan is not near as smart as we think he is. And even though it's in the word, he doesn't get it. When suddenly God sweeps up again, just like he swept up the church, when he comes in and sweeps up all these Jews, all these backsliders, and all these lost, and brings in a harvest far greater than the rapture. And suddenly they're gone and they're with him in heaven. He is going to go absolutely nuts. He is going to go absolutely berserk mm -hmm. at what God just pulled the, pulled the rug out from underneath him again. And he is going to turn on Israel to destroy it. He is going to turn on Israel in rage to attack it and destroy it. He is going to do four things. He's going to stop all the Jewish worship. And the Jews will be the remaining Jews that did not accept the message of the 144,000 are going to be driven into the wilderness to hide among the rocks for their very survival. The Antichrist is going to walk into the temple that they built, into the Holy of Holies of the temple, and erect in their image of himself, and he's going to declare, I am now God. I am God, not your Jewish God. I am God, and I'm going to eradicate every, everything that does not worship me personally. Satan will literally, in the Antichrist, declare himself God. He will now declare one world religion, and I'm the head of it. I'm God. You're going to worship me, or else you will die and to enforce his one world religion. Revelation tells us clearly that there will be a mark of the beast. What is the mark of the beast? I will, that, that anyone that does not have that mark of the beast will not be able to buy or sell. They will require it. We see all the technology for this right now. We see every bit of it that suddenly he said, all the money is gone. The U.S. dollar is gone. The pound is gone. The euro is gone. There's no money in China. There's no money in Japan. There's no money in the, it's now one world economy. And if you're going to participate it to buy or sell or do anything, you're going to have to receive my mark of the beast in the forehead or on the pump of the right hand. I believe it will be a little microchip, so very, very small, you'd never see it. But in there is encoded all of our identity, all of our bank information, everything, credit card, everything. It's all right there. 
And if we don't receive that, then we can't buy and sell. The world will do anything now because of everything that's going on to try to find peace and order, and they will easily comply. He will turn on the great harlot church. I believe that harlot church will be the backslidden Catholic church in Rome because it says it will happen. We have every reason to believe scripturally that that will all transpire in in Rome. So this is going to continue. But you have to realize now 50% of the world's population has been killed since the rapture. Can you imagine? 50% of the world's population, more than 50%, is dead that were alive, were left behind at the rapture. That Then we move into Revelation 16, the seven bold judgments. But even in all of this, Iris, God is going to leave a witness in the earth. Two Old Testament prophets will be in Jerusalem. Now, we do not know who they are. Most Bible teachers believe it will either be Moses and Elijah, or it will be Moses and, excuse me, Enoch and Elijah. And they have reasons for believing that. But Moses was part of the plagues of judgment on Egypt. Elijah called down fire. Well, these two Old Testament prophets, and I believe it'll be Moses and Elijah because those were the two that appeared with Jesus that the disciples saw on what we call the transfiguration, talking about all this. So I believe it was, I believe it was Moses and Elijah. Well, they're going to be a testimony in Jerusalem, and God is going to protect them. And they're still going to be preaching. They're still going to be representing God in the midst of all of this. Well, they will be there until God lifts his protection. They will both be killed. And the world will rejoice. The world will see them by technology, our cell phones, the internet, television, mass media. And they will lie in the streets of Jerusalem dead and the world will, will, will rejoice because they were causing all the judgment. You see, they're still trying to get the judgment to stop and peace and tranquility to return. But then God will raise the two prophets from the dead and take them into heaven. And then it is a rapid escalation toward the end of everything in the chapters that follow, which will be what we call Armageddon. It is when all the, the armies of the world will gather at, at Armageddon. I've been to the very valley, the very valley of Megiddo in Israel and stood on the mountain and looked at this long, long valley where the armies of whatever's left of the armies of the world will gather in that place for one last great and final, totally Satan-controlled battle against Israel, against any remnant of God in total insanity. But then Jesus at that place 
on that day when they've all gathered will return bodily to the earth and destroy them all. It will be the greatest battle the world has ever seen, but it will be between God and Satan and those who, who've lived their lives to serve him. And at that moment, Jesus will return to the earth, will destroy all of his enemies. S Satan will be bound in hell for the next thousand years. Very thousand years. And Jesus, there won't be a labor party a conservative party, a Democratic party, a Republican party, or any political party, Jesus will be in charge and will be running absolutely everything at that point. The Bible says that even nature, that a lion will eat grass, that there will be peace. A baby can can rest beside a poisonous snake. Uh, the, the wolves and will no longer kill the, their, their prey. There will be total peace yeah. and there will be healing and restoration on the earth. Let me put in a plug again for Dr. Greg Hennett's book. Greg, G-R-E-G, Hennett, H-I-N-N-A-N-T. The Tribulation Story. Go on Google, Google that. It will direct you to his website and give you a way that you can read all the details that I have left out. Now, I want to close with this, Iris, and then I just say, let's be ready. Let's be ready. We don't have to go through this. Let's be ready when he comes in the rapture. Let me pray for everybody again. Right now, very quickly, Father, I thank you for every person hearing this time together with Iris, that not one person that has heard this teaching today and all the, not one person will miss it. The coming very, very soon, catching away of the great rapture of the church, the bride of Christ, that Lord, we that every person have their lamps ready, their oil filled, that not one miss it on that day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. And amen. Amen. Wow. A double well. <laughs> well, we got there. We did. I didn't, I didn't think we could do it, but we got there. Well, I was certain it was going there today. The momentum was fantastic. Um, yeah, well. absolutely. And, you know, I have that book and, and I'm surprised. I'm not an avid reader. I usually fall asleep and get stuck on the first paragraph of everything. But the momentum of the book is the way, the style in which it's written. And it's so interesting. It's not, not the slightest bit boring. Um, I, I would say it's easier than trying to read the Bible. Well, it's, it's all, Greg is a personal friend of mine. And he told me that he would pray and intercessors would pray as he was writing that book. And he said, I would feel the presence of the Lord as I was writing it. And so I believe that book is a gift of God for the church and the world right now. Yeah. 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 Yeah
That's right. Yeah. I think it's very interesting to read. Yeah, amazing. Absolutely. I've never seen so many colours in my Bible, John. I think I think I'll just close it in by a coloured one. <laughs> well, mine is filled with, with red, blue, yellow, green. I've got those colours as well, but at the moment, yeah, yeah I'm making orange with the rest of yellow. <laughs> but our job is to get ready. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, it's been really good having you on here again, and I, I've learned a lot. It's a very interesting subject, and it is definitely something that everybody needs to, to take heed to. I was on a meeting over the, well, just a few days ago, um, attached to Australia. And one of the things I felt, you know, the presence of the Holy Spirit was quite amazing. And I found myself telling this party of people, this team, lovely people, some of them were pastors. I said, you pastors must teach Revelation. You must learn it. You must study it. And you must teach it and you must get to it straight away because people need to know. Do you know everybody took that as prophetic and they had obviously been thinking about what should we do next type of thing? Should we, shouldn't we or whatever? But, you know, and, and um, people are ready. People want more. They need to, they want to understand more. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. And if it's not preached now, then how would those who are still skeptical at the time until that rapture happens, how would they know that it that they've not been totally left behind and have some hope? So I feel there's a very strong connection in in between now and then. Amen. 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 Well, I believe with all of my heart that we may be the generation or at least very, very soon in the, in the coming years that all of this will happen. But for the believer that loves Jesus, when you see all these things coming to pass, lift up your heads and rejoice for our redemption draws nigh. All the craziness that's in the world right now, we don't have to be caught up in that. No, that's right. Well, it's time for us to close and tell our audience out there, we will be back. We haven't finished yet. <laughs> so bye-bye, everybody. Been wonderful to be here with you, and I hope you've enjoyed it. And please get in touch. Try, actually, use my personal Gmail. At the moment, we're still Zooming around the world. That means I'm working from home with limited equipment. So it's safer to use my Gmail, iriswhite48 at gmail.com. Ask your questions and we'll answer them for you. God bless everybody. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.